Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a review of the AFC Championship win for the Cincinnati Bengals over the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom McLevy's going to stop by for another McLevy minute, and Justin Lacey's also going to stop in with his thoughts on the game, the city of Cincinnati, and what's in store for this team moving forward into the Super Bowl. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? AFC Championship game, Cincinnati Bengals 27, Kansas City Chiefs 24. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to say it one more time for us that can't believe it. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. I had no less than 27 people text me right after the game. It felt nice that people were thinking about me. What I texted back to all these people, I just said, dreams occasionally do come true. Happened earlier than most of us thought. And now we're going to go, we're going to play the Rams on the West Coast, and we have a very good shot at winning that game. Although we had a couple rocky years the last two years, everything now has seemed to work out. The draft picks have panned out. The selection of Joe Burrow has been beyond anything we could have ever thought. The free agents that we brought in all contributed. We had some really exceptional performances by people like Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader from last year, Mike Hilton, Awuzie, Ogunjobi. I can go on. I don't want to shortchange anybody. But the free agents, the draft picks, the coaching has come together. I mean, there was a time where people wanted Coach Taylor to be fired, and they didn't think that he could be a play caller in this league. And he ha- he didn't win a road game for a long time. He had a bad record. And the Bengals stuck with him. And the play calling got better. And the halftime adjustments got better. People wanted to run out Lou Anarumo after there was some strife with the Bengals veterans last year, and we weren't a good team. Now he's making halftime adjustments, which leads a team like the Chiefs to only get three points in the second half twice, once in the biggest game of the season for them. The offensive play calling, Coach Callahan, getting these players ready to play. Again, coaching is about several different things. One of them is to be able to make adjustments in-game, in time, and these guys have gotten to the top doing that. We're going to the Super Bowl. They have made all the adjustments all season long. We've been a second-half team. We've come out of the locker room and been strong. And the other half of coaching is being able to teach. And you can see we're teaching these young players to be good players. I mean, Joe Burrow was outstanding as it was, but we nurtured that with Coach Pitcher, Coach Callahan, Coach Taylor, and we're doing that with a lot of the other young players that are contributing right away. Jamar Chase, Evan McPherson, Chris Evans... The list goes on. Cameron Sample. Again, I don't want to shortchange anybody, but if you just take a look at what's going on. And the last ingredient that is contributing to winning is a team-first attitude. There's no divas. There's no selfish players. These guys have chemistry. They like each other. They want to watch film. They want to improve. As you know, we had the unanimous attendance at the OTAs in the beginning of the year. And that mentality is just carried on through. And we have great leadership with the captains and, you know, people like C.J. Uzama being a good spokesman for the team, Joe Burrow, a natural leader, you know, the list goes on and on. It's going to be fun to have everyone talk about the Bengals for the next two weeks. It's our time. It's our time on stage. It's our time to shine. And you know what? We're not finished yet. This is a great accomplishment to get to here, 
but let's do what no other Bengals team has done before. Let's make this the greatest Bengals team in history and win the Super Bowl. All right, so let's move on to some general observations about the team and then the game. So first off, we had a big knock on us that we haven't won three consecutive games all year. And you know what? We just did it in round one of the playoffs, round two of the playoffs, and round three of the playoffs. Two of those games on the road. We beat a one seed. We beat a two seed, both on the road. No one gave us a chance. I mean, we were against Tennessee. All the experts were saying we're going to get beat there. Against Kansas City, even against the Raiders, people were thinking they were going to upset us. On New York Sports Radio, there's a gambling show, and they just gave the Bengals no shot. We know as Bengal fans that we don't get a lot of love from the media. They base it on past history. You know, there's old narratives that they just will never want to change, like, oh, you're the Bungles, or, oh, it's only the Bengals, or it's Cincinnati, or Mike Brown is cheap, you know, all that stuff. And that's not true. None of that is true. You know, we're rewriting the script with these players and saying that no one cares about the past. No one cares about a 2-14 and 14 team. No one cares about no playoff wins in, you know, however many, what, 31 years. No one cares about any of that because those are old teams. You only deal with the players that you have now. This is all that matters. The Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase era, and this roster, and this team, and these coaches, the past doesn't matter. The media will never get over that, so we're going to have to let them know that we're here for the long term, and we're going to start with a Super Bowl in Super Bowl 56. And in addition to the game being so electric, it went into overtime. We're hanging on the edge of our seats. You know, you have moments where you think all is lost, and then you have moments of just pure joy. I watched the game the whole overtime. I got on one knee as we got when we held them and got the ball back, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is really happening. And then they have a couple big passes to Higgins. And you see, we don't need much more to get into McPherson's range. I mean, I I would be confident with him for a 60-yarder to win that. But then Mixon heats up, and they can't stop us. And I'm I'm just on one knee, like, I, I can't believe it's happening. And I took a minute to really think about it. And yeah, you know, tears were rolling down my face. I just had so much emotion take over me, like, this is real. I didn't know if this was ever going to happen in my lifetime. And here we are. And it was surreal seeing those players grab the Lamar Hunt Trophy. And Lamar Hunt Trophy in Arrowhead, that's even crazier because, I mean, that's their home That's their home field, that's their founder, you know, everything. And here we are holding the trophy named after him. But to see Coach Taylor give that speech and the, the pride in his face and the gratification on, on actually doing it, handing it to Joe Burrow, and you just have, you know, the next big superstar of, of not only football but of the world – holding that up and you know already second year he's played 30 games as a pro and here he is with that trophy held up and the list goes on you see the other players holding it that are all well deserving the receivers the defensive players it was exciting to see those guys have a chance to pass that around and what really touched me the most was Mr. Brown's speech he wasn't preparing anything big he didn't want to change the world with his with his words he just spoke from the heart and it was really cool to see him with his long jacket on. Almost, he's, he's very stoic, so he's not going to show a lot of emotion. But you could, you could feel like, man, he might cry too. Because he wasn't sure this was going to happen in his lifetime as well. And it's so gratifying to see him be rewarded like that. He spent a lot of money on this team. They say he goes to every practice. He sees every snap of everything. You know, that's a dedicated man. And he's getting up there in years. And he still just puts everything into this team. 
And yeah, he inherited it from his father, but he's also bringing in his whole family. This is just such a good moment. I, I'm getting like choked up talking about it now. So congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. Congratulations, Mr. Brown, Mr. Tobin, Coach Taylor, all the coaches, Joe Burrow, all the players. Congratulations, guys. And I just want to say thank you. All right, so observations from the game. C.J. Uzama gets hurt with the MCL sprain. It looked worse than that. When I saw it, I was like, oh, ACL, we're going we're to be lucky if we see him for opening day next year. And after the MRI, we got some good news that it's just a sprained MCL, and he has a shot at coming back for the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know how much of a shot, and that could also be a little gamesmanship for the Bengals. Like, hey, we're not going to let them know that he's out, so the Rams have to prepare for him and maybe prepare a little bit less for Sample and Wilcox. You know, I don't know the exact truth of it all, but I would love to see him back there and in uniform for the Super Bowl. He does deserve it. That's a tough stadium to play. We all knew it, but man, you see that sea of red. There is, I I guess if there were Bengal fans wearing orange, they would have kind of blended in, and I know there was a good share of them there. Thank you, Bengal Jim. But that was just red. All you saw was red, and I give those fans credit to all wear the same thing and and make it look like hostile territory. And the sun was bad. You saw early in the game, there was a couple players that kind of lost balls in the sun. Obviously, the volume of the crowd was tough. And the only thing I don't like, and you know, guys, it, it's one of the things that makes me more angry than almost anything. And I heard it twice during the game, and that was fans blowing whistles from the crowd. And on, there was one play that went to the right. It was a run to Mixon. And it looked like Jamar Chase just stopped because he thought he heard a whistle. So, you know, the NFL has to police that a little bit better. I'm glad it only happened twice. I'm glad no one was crazy enough or slick enough to do that while McPherson's going to make the winning kick. So either way, it did happen. If you rewatch the game and listen, you can hear it at certain times. The one play, Mixon is to the right, Chase is in motion, and it looks like the whole left side of the Bengals stops. And the refs, pretty good officiating. I know there was a couple calls that we would have wanted, a couple roughing. You know, there's always calls that you don't get that you want. But in general, they, they let these guys play. It wasn't a constant game of holding calls. It wasn't a constant game of pass interference and illegal contact. Like, those are the things that really frustrate fans, players, and make the game not as much fun to watch. And these refs showed a lot of restraint. And I give them credit. I knew coming in that they were one of the least th- uh, flag-calling crews, and they lived up to that in this game, and it made the game fun. I mean, come on, this had to be one of the most fun and nerve-wracking Bengal games that we've ever seen. And I'm going to call it the greatest win in our history. The, the Freezer Bowl game, yeah, that is that is right up there. You know, Advancing to the Super Bowl back in 88 was also up there. But this was an overtime game against the favorite, in their park, you know, Mahomes, people are thinking he's going to be the next AFC guy that you can't get past like Brady was all those years. And what do the Bengals do? They come back from down 18 and go and win this game. Greatest game in our history. All right, so what happens in the game? We lose the toss, which was scary. All right, now the Chiefs get a chance to double dip at halftime in the beginning of the third quarter. You know, you don't like to see that. You know, I, I, I used to be a fan of get the ball first and score. But as I analyze the game more, you know, over the years, it's better to defer and get that double dip. And the Chiefs had the benefit of that. And then when they got out to that big lead, I was like, we're really in trouble because they have the double dip coming. And so what happens? We go three and out on the first series, which is not what you want to see. 
You know, that already sends a gut punch to us Bengal fans like, oh man, please, not today. Then the Chiefs get it, and they easily march down the field. A great catch by Tyreek Hill. That, you know, the throw was very good to the back of the end zone, but Tyreek's like a 5'10", 5'11 guy. I don't, probably 5'10", maybe shorter. I forget his, his specs. But he makes this leaping catch at the back line, you know, never giving up on the play, beating a Wouzier who's very fast. We know Tyreek is pretty much the fastest guy in the NFL. So that's what happens. They march down the field. They're up 7 nothing. And what was going on in the game, they were getting a lot of yards on first down, and we weren't. So they were facing a lot of second and shorts, which opens up your playbook to deep passes and sets you up for easy convertible third downs. And we were in a case where they were really stopping us early in the game on those first down runs, so we were constantly in long situations. So big disadvantage, an easy way to lose the game, and unfortunately for us, we were able to overcome that. And as I called it before the game, that Mahomes scrambling is such a dangerous thing. And he got to scramble for some yards early, but a lot of it was him scrambling around and buying time and letting the receivers just work downfield. And it was, I'll go into this a little bit more later, but it was incredible for our secondary to hold up. If you give an NFL quality quarterback, especially one that's at the top of the league like, like Mahomes, if you give those guys three, four seconds, they can slice you up. You give them six, seven seconds or more, it's almost a guaranteed complete pass, especially when you have great receivers like Kelsey and Hill and all those other speedsters. There were so many plays where he was scrambling around back there and he just couldn't find anyone downfield. That was such a great job by the secondary. I know some of it was dropping eight guys, but not all of it was. But either way, they just locked down these great receivers downfield while the defensive line got to chase around Mahomes. And Mahomes has a lot of escapability, so I give him credit. But the real credit goes to the defensive backfield for not having receivers open after eight seconds of running around back there. Mahomes, who could whip it across his body if he wanted, he just couldn't find anybody. Well coached, well played by the defense. So the first half continues to go on. It seems like we have no answer for Kelsey or Hill. CBS kept showing close-ups of Burrow looking dejected on the sideline, which I didn't like. I I thought CBS did a bad job, to be honest, in this game. And and I always like their broadcast better than Fox because they're more of an AFC-based broadcast. But a couple things were going on in this game. They weren't showing enough replays. Like, there was things I wanted to see a second time to make a decision on. And, hey, what happened there? You know, who let up the pressure? Or, you know, what was the end result of this? Or on the backside, who was doing what? And they just kept showing close-ups of Burrow and other people's faces and the huddle and Andy Reid. And I'm like, I know you want to bring in the human element. And I guess to the casual viewer, people care more about the quarterback's facial expression than who let up a third down pressure. I get it. But as, as a big-time fan and an analyst, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't enjoying the fact that they weren't having enough replays. And the stats. And again, I'm not a huge stats guy, especially for football. Stats are really more for baseball. Football is just about winning. And I, as you know on this, on this podcast, I never throw stats at you, just maybe in an occasional one or two things. But, you know, I'm not going to keep ripping off these stats because you start getting lost and they be start, start becoming boring. But by the same token, you want to see during the game who's doing what. Like at one point I wanted to be, see, like, how many yards does Mixon have at this point? And they didn't show it a lot on the screen. You know, like Fox has the continuous bar that shows you it, while it's in process. And I don't know, I kind of like that. I thought CBS could have done a little more of that. But that's nitpicking. I had a blast watching the game. You know, all right, replays and stats could have been better, but it doesn't matter. The product on the field was so worth watching. All right, so down 7 nothing. 
Mixon breaks a big 23-yard run. We aren't able to punch it in the end zone, but the game now goes to 7-3. to And then the Chiefs answer right back with that long pass to Hardman on first down, backbreaker. You're starting to think as a Bengal fan, like, man, are we going to be able to stop these guys? They score pretty much right away. Now it's 14-3. Then we punt, and the Chiefs march down easily again. 21-3, looking bleak. They had three easy drives, and we only had three points up to that time. So now it's 21-3, and you're thinking, ah, it was a nice run. You know, I guess the Chiefs are the superior team. You know, they're at home. All their weapons are, are firing on all cylinders. And I'm optimistic, guys. I really am. But, I, I mean, it was hard to be at that point just based on all the, the things that are mounting up against you. And then what happened? Everything changed. The most important time of the game is, you know, two minutes at the end of the first half, two minutes at the end of the second half, you know, first drive of the third quarter. Those are all big times in the game. All season long, we've been scoring in those big times, and this game was no different. We score with that huge 41-yard screen to Pirine for a touchdown, making it 21-10. And then you want to look back on the first half and say, ah, you know, we didn't score that much in the first half, but when you think about it, We had four drives, and we scored twice. Those aren't bad percentages. But what was happening was the Chiefs were just scoring every time. So 21-10, we're kicking off to Mahomes with a minute or so to go. And you know it's plenty of time for him to get them in field goal range or worse, like he did against the Bills. And the Bengals did what the Bills didn't do. Bills put it in the end zone and gave him a few extra seconds. Bengals put that ball on the ground and and ticked four or five seconds off the clock. So the Chiefs have it with 101 to go in the half, and what do they do? They storm downfield again, get to the four-yard line, and they make the mistake of the game. Bengals' defense holds them on, on two passes to the end zone, which was outstanding. Very tough to, to catch up to that team in the red zone, especially with Mahomes going side to side and, and the arm and the arm angles, you know, all of his attributes. But then they decide that they're going to throw a swing pass to Hill, We're not going to put the ball in the end zone. We know that the Bengals are not going to be able to tackle Hill on this play. So they send Hill in motion. They're overly confident. They throw the swing pass to him. I'll break down the play in a little bit. We stop it, and momentum was all ours. Clock runs out. They wasted that timeout early when they messed up on a challenge. So that could have been the timeout that could have enabled them to get three points. That timeout wasn't there. Major, major mistake by the Chiefs coaching staff. So now the Bengals have all the momentum in the world, and we go into the second half. Chiefs are getting the ball, so again, another pressure situation, another time to worry. Hey, we're down by 11, and the Chiefs are getting the ball, and they've been moving the ball all day. What happens? Halftime adjustments just like the first game, just like all season. Incredible coaching, and we lock down the Chiefs with excellent play. We hold them to three points in the second half. You know, those are those adjustments. That first drive of the second half, I think they got a first down. They end up punting. And then we get the ball for our first drive of the second half. And this is how they strategized it. First down was Burrow. He got protection and got that huge 33-yard pass to Higgins. It was a catch and run. What a way to start. You know, they probably had that planned all week that when we come out of halftime, that's going to be our go-to play. And especially how successful Higgins was all game. It was just the right thing to do. They were all over Chase. And it was time to let Higgins work his magic, and he did on that first play. Then Mixon right for a yard. Another first down run that kind of didn't work. Then we have a delay game. 
Then an incomplete pass to Sample. I get it. They were trying to be clever and get the tight end involved. And then they do an incomplete go route to Higgins on that fifth play. So aside from that first play, wasn't a successful drive. But the way the defense was looking, we were setting the tone for the rest of the game. So we had a lot more pressure on Mahomes in the second half. You saw Hardman and Hill arguing on the sideline. We drive down again, but we stall after a red zone sack, which has been haunting us all year. And now the Chiefs have the ball, and we get the interception by B.J. Hill. And I'll go into that play specifically in a little bit. Just a huge play in the game. I keep saying this was the biggest play and that was the biggest play, but, I mean, this is right up there. The the individual effort to be able to knock that ball down and catch it at one of the biggest times in the season. And, man, that trade for him just keeps paying dividends. Billy Price struggled over with the Giants this year, and Hill racks up five and a half sacks, and he fills in for Ogunjobi seamlessly, and he makes one of the biggest plays of, of the most important game of the year. So we definitely won that trade. I want to see this man back in a Bengal uniform for the long haul. So then after the interception, we start opening things up to Chase. Again, more strategizing at halftime. All right, this is how they're covering Jamar. This is what we need to do to get Jamar open. And he gets a big completion prior to his touchdown, and and then he gets that back shoulder touchdown to score. And now Jamar Chase is on the map. And I like the fact that he didn't sulk when he had two catches for eight yards in the first half. He knows he's always one play away from putting up big numbers and contributing big time. And this was a major, major touchdown in the game. And then, so now we're down 21-19, and you're thinking 21-20 might not do it against this team. We have to go for the tie. And if not, then you're a field goal away from winning. I think it was a great decision to go for two there. Some people say it's too early, and I guess if we didn't get it, it might have been too early. But the fact that we did get it, no one's complaining about it. And they bring in Trent Taylor. I notice it right away, and I'm like, he's in there for a reason. And sure enough, they had that play that they said they've been working on for a few weeks where he goes in motion and Burrow hits him. He's wide open. It was Sorensen who had a major error in the first time we met him and two major errors in this game. He he didn't keep up with Trent Taylor, and there it was, 21-21. So we stop them. Burrow gets the ball back, makes one of his few bad decisions of all year and in his career. He does not make a lot of mistakes. He throws the interception. But then Hendrickson gets a huge sack. We force them into a punt. So no harm, no foul on the Burrow interception. So next drive, we get those two huge scrambles from Joe Burrow for first downs on third and long. One of them was the thing that heroes are made of, and I will go into that play in a little bit as well. So on that drive, we take the clock down to just about six minutes. McPherson hits a 52-yarder clutch, stone-cold killer, ice-cold field goal for the Bengals to take the lead. So the Chiefs get that really long drive, and they take the clock under two minutes. Then Kelsey gets the first down at the five-yard line, and we're like, wow, we can't stop the clock. We may not see the ball back. We have to hold them to a field goal because a touchdown for them is going to win the game. So what happens? The defense stands up yet again. That's a unit that wants to go to the Super Bowl. Beautiful red zone coverage. I was actually thinking during that, I'm like, you know what, let them score the touchdown. Just let them score. Give us a minute left for us to go down and score. And I'm glad they didn't listen to me because the defense came alive. Hubbard has has been playing lights out this whole playoffs, and he's showing that he's so worth the money in key situations. So he gets a huge sack, a great hustle and pursuit on that first sack. And then the next play, he gets the strip sack where he's supposed to be a spy on Mahomes, and he comes barreling in, 
causes a fumble. The Bengals almost got the fumble. It would have been game over right there. But here we are, forcing them to kick a long field goal to go into overtime. And we do that. I mean, this game has so many chapters. It's like a novel when you think about it. It's just a novel of pure excitement. So when the Chiefs win the coin toss in overtime, we're all thinking a little bit of deja vu on what happened with the Bills, how they drove down and scored, and you know we didn't get a chance to have the ball, and that whole debate that's been going on lately about the overtime rules. And then what happens? We keep them to a three and out. Mahomes had three bad passes. He was starting to fold at the end of that game. One miss was outside where Apple almost got the game-sealing pick six. The other ball, I believe, was high. And then the third ball was the one that Jesse Bates tipped to Von Bell. And now the Bengals have the ball. Higgins with two big grabs. And then Mixon takes over the game. As I said earlier, I would have trusted McPherson from 60 if we needed it at that point. Maybe even slightly longer. And instead, what's he, he, we get him like a 31-yard, basically a glorified extra point to win the game. And Cincinnati is going to the Super Bowl. All right, let's quickly go over some key plays from the game. And there were so many, but I've narrowed it down to seven key plays. And I'm going to very quickly break them down for you. First was the Pirine touchdown. So what happened on this play, we had that max protect look, which we did several times in this game, where you had Pirine and a tight end kind of right next to Burrow, looking like they're going to max protect. And then you send one or two of them out into the pattern. And that's what happened here. They actually sent both guys into patterns. Burrow gets hit, but he gets the pass off, the screen pass off to Pirine. You have good blocks by Hopkins, Jackson Carmen hustling downfield, and Jamar Chase doing his work downfield near the goal line. Exactly how you draw that play up, and great hustle and execution. So Pirine breaks the tackle from a corner and explodes to the end zone for 41 yards. Great payback for him after that tipped interception last week where I know a lot of people were going to run him out of town if we lost. I believe in this guy. He's been contributing all year, not just on offense and blocking and running and catching the ball, but on special teams as well. He's a very key component of this team. And he's faster than you think, and it showed on this play. He really has that running back speed, even though you kind of look at him as almost like a fullback type. All right, the next big play is the stop at the four-yard line on Tyreek Hill. Totally swung the momentum. Prior to that, Eli Apple gets the pass interference to put him at the one-yard line, and it was pass interference. And you know we all thought that they were going to score easily right before the half, but we continued not to fold. So they send Hill in motion from right to left for a quick swing pass. And if you watch the defense's reaction, you see Apple trailing him right across the field. He, he didn't lose track of him in, in the traffic or with Hill sprinting over. Apple was all over that play. When he makes the catch, Apple breaks on the ball and makes a big tackle on a guy with a low center of gravity and a lot of strength that's hard to tackle. So a huge play by Eli Apple. And Hendrickson got over there too. I don't know if he would have made the tackle in time because Tyreek is so quick or whatever, but that was all Eli Apple on that play. And it kept it a 21-10 game and got things from not going out of control. The third play, and I will call it the biggest play of the game, is the B.J. Hill interception. What happens? B.J. Hill beats the guard. And then on the other side, Von Bell comes free on a blitz, which forced Mahomes to feel the pressure, and Hubbard beats the tackle on that side. So you have three guys coming at Mahomes, and he just didn't live up to the challenge. He, he threw it a little low. He, he couldn't get it over B.J. Hill. It was a bad throw. And Hill tips it up in the air and grabs it himself for the biggest play of the game. Great play. 
great catch for a defensive lineman. You know, those guys aren't known for having great hands or to be able to react to the ball in the air like that. And that was just a beyond spectacular play that changed the game. Fourth big play was the Chase touchdown. It was set up by a nice reception on a comeback route by Chase. Starting to come alive in the second half there. So the next play, the Bengals try a play action. Back shoulder to Chase. Doesn't work. And then they decide, all right, we'll do the same route again. We're going to just hammer it home and see if you can stop it twice in a row. They don't do the play action, but they do the same back shoulder route. And Chase makes a beautiful contested touchdown catch at, the, at a huge moment in the game. Obviously a great throw, an even better catch. And then we go on to the two-point conversion, which was Chase in the left, Higgins in the right, Taylor in the slot. Taylor motions towards Chase. The safety freezes a little bit when Chase releases. And Taylor is wide open for the tying two-pointer. Fifth big play is the stuff that legends are made out of. Joe Burrow's third and seven scramble in the fourth quarter. Probably his best play of the day, and it wasn't with his arms. So Jackson Carmen gets run over, literally run over, by Chris Jones. Jones grabs Burrow, thinks he's going to ragdoll him down. He grabs him up high by the shoulder pads. Sometimes a little bit of a mistake, no matter how strong you are. Joe's got a knack for twisting out of those kind of tackles. And he twisted out of a tackle by a very, very strong man and got him. Got right out of it. But Jones is relentless, continues to pursue Joe Burrow. And what I saw next was just the greatest instinct, which the greatest instincts and will to win and skill and athleticism. There was a sixth sense that Joe Burrow had because he high stepped at exactly the right time to avoid the diving tackle. So he gets away from Jones. Jones has a beat on him. I don't know what it was. Was, was. Does he have like this ESP where he just feels it? Or did he, he kind of feel the ground behind him that the guy was, was bearing on him? Was it just he figured, let me lift my leg because someone's going to be diving at me? I, I don't know which of those it was. But it was just uncanny that he avoided that leg tackle at the exact right moment without seeing the guy coming. So Joe Burrow scrambles for the first down keeps the go-ahead drive alive. And then he has another huge scramble on a third and long on the same drive. So he got it done with his legs. You know, even if it wasn't his greatest day passing, and it was still a very good day passing. I mean, two touchdowns, 250 yards. You know, Joe Burrow does not disappoint. But, you know, if he's not going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, then he'll do some damage with his legs. Whatever it takes to win. Thank you, Joe Burrow. Next big play was Hubbard's third down sack to force a field goal. So Hubbard drops back as a spy on Mahomes, and I was happy that we were spying Mahomes all game. And then there's Mahomes having all day to throw the ball. No one's getting open in the secondary. Hubbard decides, you know what, enough's enough, and he sprints in there like a bullet. I've never seen him run so fast. I don't know what his 40 time is, but it looked legit. And then he just, Mahomes can't get away from him. It was just too much, too fast, too long, too strong. And he swats the ball out of Mahomes' hands. And it forces a field goal as opposed to them getting a touchdown and us having to chase and having you know, having to do last-minute heroics because that was a last-minute heroic. Again, thank you, Sam Hubbard. And then the last big play was Bates and Bell's interception in overtime. Mahomes had a lot of time to throw that ball, and he even had enough time to pump fake. So he gives that quick pump fake and then just throws it downfield to Hill, this soaring arrow in the air. A play that they complete on a lot of people and do a lot of damage. And, you know, if Hill catches that, they're probably guaranteed at least a field goal. And Bates had really good coverage, 
plays him tight enough but skillful enough to not get a pass interference, and he deflects the ball, and it just happens to pop right in Bell's hands. Interception, Bengals. You knew we were winning at that point. But with that said, let's talk about the individual performances. So Joe Burrow, we talked about him a lot already. I think the big thing from this game was his scrambling. He had those two huge scrambles. He had the third down and one where he bowled forward for the first down. Got himself out of a lot of trouble under pressure. Only got sacked once, and a lot of that was due to his skill getting away from defensive linemen and pass rushers. And even when he got hit or ridiculously pressured, he never got down, never got mad, never called his teammates out. That is a true leader. When you really respect your teammates and show great individual effort and toughness, they're going to revere you and you're going to be a better team as a result of that. And Joe Burrow is the reason why we're going to the Super Bowl. There's a multitude of players who had outstanding years. The coaching staff was outstanding, but we can't get it twisted. We're going to the Super Bowl because we have Joe Burrow as our quarterback. And we're going to multiple Super Bowls because we have Joe Burrow as our quarterback. Post-game interview... Just so cool. The coolest NFL player out there. And that's why another reason why people want to follow him. And he's he's confident. You could see he's confident. And he's humble at the same time. You could see, like, yeah, he could be a little confident, smirking a little where you think he's cocky. But then the things he says and the effort he's willing to put out and the toughness and the background and his Heisman speech and everything, you could tell that he's humble. You know, he, he knows what it took to get here. And he's not going to be too cool for the room. And and I had a problem with Carson Palmer. You know, when he was a Bengal, I rooted for him with with all my heart. But I thought he was, you know, like the golden child. You know, could do no wrong. You know, Mr. 6'5", could throw the ball 75 yards on a a dime. You know, they said it looked like he was throwing from a ladder when he he threw. So, I don't know. Joe Burrow's a different breed. And I always go back to that tire drill at Ohio State. And Carson Palmer would have never have done that. Carson Palmer wouldn't have been wrestling on the ground with a with a, a defensive player over a tire. You know, you don't do that to your franchise, your franchise quarterback. And I'm sure there was guys on the roster that Carson Palmer didn't even know their name or didn't even care. And I'm sorry I'm getting on him. It's just that he turned his back on the Bengals, I guess, and whatever. But this is about Joe Burrow, not about Carson Palmer. But I'm just saying how how much I would rather have a guy like Burrow be my quarterback And what does Joe do? He gives credit to the defense right away. He compliments the offensive line. And then he gives a little icky shuffle when Icky Woods comes up to him. So just the complete superstar. Mixon is another great example for the team, too. He just kept pounding away. The holes weren't there a lot in the first half and through much of the game. And he just kept being relentless and not getting down, not getting mad at anyone. You know, when you you get hit in the backfield or you run into a nothing hole, a lot of running backs will start, you know, giving their offensive line some slack. And he doesn't do that. None of our guys do that. So we stick with the run, and we finally broke him down in overtime. They couldn't stop mixing. They got tired of tackling this horse. We talked about P. Ryan, that major touchdown in this game, and just contributing with his blocking and his special teams play. Wide receiver, Higgins just pulled through again. You want a double chase, then Higgins will be the star of this game. A lot of clutch first downs. How many times you see him go across the middle and high point a ball when we needed it the most? Boyd, a few key catches early. Not involved that much after that, but his day will come. Who knows what will happen in the Super Bowl. He could be the leading receiver. Chase was quiet early, never got down, and ended up with six receptions for 50-something yards. And he had the TD and several important plays. 
So even though he wasn't, it wasn't a Jamar Chase superstar game, he contributed and got a touchdown and was definitely a major part of the win because the defense was focused on him more than anyone else on our offense. Tight end-wise, there wasn't really much production except for blocking after Uzama went down. I know Sample had a catch and another target or so, but once Uzama was out of there, it was almost like a dimension of our game was not going to be present. And that's okay. We have enough other guys to stand up and do the job. Offensive line, Burrow was running for his life again. There was a couple of those screens where they released too early. Burrow had to throw it to the ground. Didn't give Mixon a lot of room. The identity Carmen rotation was exciting to see and intelligent that they brought it out. They'll probably go that way in the Super Bowl. But they struggled a bit. Prince struggled on the outside. I don't want to talk about the offensive line. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. It's such a, a positive moment. I, I don't want to get on these guys. You know what? They were part of a winning effort, so they couldn't have played that badly. One sack was when Ingram just swims past Prince for the easy sack. But aside from that, although Burrow was running for his life and took his share of hits, you know, there's only one sack credited to that offensive line. So, guys, I'm with you. I'm not going to diss on you guys. Let's just get it going for the Super Bowl. And as I said coming into this week, play the game of your lives, and you're going to have a nice fat ring on your finger. Defensive line, Hendrickson is relentless. You always see in the second half he's even better than in the first half because he just his motor never stops, and he's got such energy and hustle. So he had a sack and a half in the second half and a few pressures. He made a big difference. Hubbard continues to play his best when it matters most with those two huge sacks. A good game by him. Hill had a half a sack, biggest play of the game. Other guys rotated in. You know, you didn't hear much about them. But it was nice to see the two new guys, Kerr and Square. They contributed. They got in there for snaps. Even if it was, even if it was just to spell the starters, you know, at least they're coming in and giving you reliable snaps. I didn't see Shelvin in there this game. I'm not sure if he was. Linebackers played a quiet game, but a solid game. You know, when you think about it, Kelsey was mainly getting covered by the defensive backs, but the linebackers have their part in that, and Kelsey didn't do anything in the second half. And, you know, Pratt's always hustling to the ball. There was one play where he's trying to strip it, and then Hubbard just comes in and cleans them all up. There weren't many noteworthy moments by the linebackers, but still they contributed and played a solid game. Defensive backfield, they held up in coverage so well on those Mahomes scrambles like we talked about. Awuzie, our best defender back there, he let up the Hill touchdown, but most people would. He let up the Hardman bomb. You know, everyone's going to have a couple bad plays, but I still think he played a solid game. Bates and Bell, I, if you think about it, I know that Poyer and Hyde are the all-pros from, from the Bills, and Poyer and Hyde couldn't beat Mahomes, but Bell and Bates did, and with a key interception late. Bates led up the touchdown to Kelsey, but it was because Mahomes had so much time. It's another case. It's so hard to cover someone. If you guys have ever covered people, it's hard to do it when you get past three seconds. And both of those plays, the Hill touchdown against Wouzier, and the Kelsey touchdown against Bates were the case of Mahomes having so much time to find them. And Eli Apple, another great game. They're going to have to re-sign him. He, you know, he started off a little rocky for us when he came aboard. And he has just been, for the second half of the season, he has been like a first-round pick. He's living up to that first-round pick that the Giants never got that production out of him. And we are. You know, that big tackle on Hill saved seven points. He covered Kelsey a lot in this game. You had Flowers covering him as well. Flowers had a nice play on Kelsey to force a punt. Either way, they took turns there, but a great, great effort by the defensive backfield. You know, Hilton was doing his job. He, I know he let up a pass or two. 
didn't have any sacks or big noteworthy pressures, but he's in there when Mahomes is running side to side and not finding anybody. So whether you saw him on camera or not, you know he was doing the job. Special teams, what do you say about Evan Joe Burrow McPherson? Four field goals, the game winner, 12 field goals in the playoffs, four field goals in every game. The situation's never too big for him. And we all know when he was lining up for the game winner, there was no question that he was making that. And as I said, I would have trusted him from 60, 62, maybe even 63 to win that game. Hey, you know what? Maybe 66. Let's let's chase the Tucker record. We got a guy who's getting in that ballpark already. Chris Evans had some nice kickoff returns. Trent Taylor had a few decent punt returns and is showing that he's reliable catching that ball. Our coverage units were excellent. Huber had several punts inside the 20, and he put him at the 7-yard line early in the third quarter. So, outstanding. Clark Harris, you know, perfect snaps. Never choked in a big moment. I don't ever expect him to. So that's it. Words can barely express the feelings that I have, and I'm glad that all of you out there got to experience this too. And again, this should be a yearly occurrence with this team. I'm so excited and cannot wait for the Super Bowl. I will be one foot away from the TV, hanging on every second on that clock and every snap and everything. And I hope you guys are there too. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, I don't even want to say how are you today. I just want to say congratulations, man. Congratulations to you and all the rest of the Hootay family. Frank, Going into the Kansas City game, you know, back of my mind was saying, you know, they lose this game, it'll be okay. You know, we had a hell of a lot of good in this year. We checked off a lot of eliminating things that we got off of the list of negativity. Now that we won in Kansas City, going to the Super Bowl, now I'm expecting a win because, you know, it's great to get there, but you don't know when the next time you're going to be there. So we're here. What a game. Hats off to the coaching staff to make the halftime adjustments. We made key stops. Yes, we got a couple breaks. Apparently they're saying that Joe Mixon was never touched and he put it should have been a fumble, but they really blew the whistles dead. Too many men on the line, blah, blah, blah. So be it. Joe Burrow and company went into Kansas City, a loud, loud environment, and won. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Frank, I, I'm speechless, but my feeling now is we're here. We deserve to be here, and let's win. They're playing great, all phases of the of the team. I think America is falling in love with Cincinnati now. I tell you, it's a, it was very nice to see Mike Brown on the podium, receiving the trophy from Icky Woods. You know, just to see that finally Mike Brown is realizing what it feels like to win and hopefully now it's from now on we're going to be America's team 
Yeah, it was nice to see him up there. And, you know, I know he's getting up there in age. He probably had some of the same concerns we had of, are we ever going to see a Bengals Super Bowl in our lifetime? And it, it was rewarding to see him get it because, you know, I mean, in the past, I guess the fans have loved him and hated him, but he bleeds orange and black and he, he's put up a lot of money and he's he is dedicated to putting a winning product on the field. Tom, was there yes. any point in this game where you were I, – I, obviously there was a couple moments that probably would stand out, but were you were you getting a little worried about things and saying, like, oh, this is going to go south on us based on how we've kind of been unlucky in the past? Right before halftime, when the Bengals made that stop, when he threw it into the flat and Eli Apple made that big tackle and time expired. And I said, oh, they dodged the bullet there. Okay, because if Kansas City would have scored there and then they got the kickoff in the second half, that game could have been really out of reach. But they stopped them there, and then they stopped them in the second half in the opening drive. And I said, wow. And then the Bengals went and scored. And then, if I'm not mistaken, that's when B.J. Hill on the next series got the interception. So, right there, the tide started turning. As loud as the crowd was, it didn't affect Joe Burrow. That's why playing in the Rams' home field, that's going to be a picnic compared to playing in Kansas City. Those fans in L.A. are not as loud as Kansas City. And number two, they don't get enough fans in L.A. to, to cheer, especially the price of the Super Bowl tickets. They're not going to pay those prices. So this could really be maybe a home. Uh, well, the Bengals are the home team playing in this uh, in this game. So the, I don't think the crowd will have any effect on the Bengals this week. But, yeah, I think that end of the first half, beginning of the second half, really changed that game into the Bengals' favor. How are you feeling on the coin toss in overtime? Because I know I was worried. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody was worried. Even Joe Burrow, they showed. But once again, defense stepped up. I might have some people down for the Super Bowl, my brother and a couple friends, and we might go out to watch it. If I'm out or anywhere, I think I'll be crying. It's it's only a natural feeling that tears will flow if we uh, were able to see our team hoist the Lombardi Trophy. So let's go Bengals. The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Justin Lacey. All right, we're here with Justin Lacey. Justin, how are you today? We're in the Super Bowl. We are in the Super Bowl. I'm doing fantastic, Frank. I'm doing the same way, man. It was one of the greatest moments in my life, to be honest with you. Speaking of great moments, what are your thoughts on this incredible moment and this incredible time for the Bengals? My initial thoughts is that this this moment is it's all coming together full circle. And I just truly feel it in my bones that the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. They have battled so much adversity over the course of the season and before this season. And so many things that led up to it. We can obviously say that it starts with Joe Burrow, but it honestly started a little bit even before that. 
it's just feeling in my bones that man, I, I, I truly can't believe with my own eyes in my whole entire life that this is happening. Um, my initial thoughts of this moment is exhilarating. I, I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I'm the same way. It's like you're so excited about it and so shocked about it. It's, I, I, I hate to keep using the word surreal, but it, it is really like that, and it's, it's hard to express your emotions about about it because it's it's such a massive moment for a fan base that has been you know down for a long time um speaking of getting down were you ever down or worried at any point in this game that it wasn't going to go our way the point that i was worried was when it was 21 to 10 to get ready to go into the half the chiefs were on the one yard line getting ready to score and i thought to myself well this is not going to be good if the Chiefs go in and score a go-ahead touchdown before the half and then they come out of the half with the ball to start the second half and score another touchdown or even a field goal, then we're talking about a 31-10 to 10 deficit where you're looking at a really, really, really tough mission impossible to try to climb out of the hole at this point. And I would have just well, sat back and thought to myself, you know what, this has been one fun season, but it may come to an end here. But then Eli Apple made the greatest goal line stand in Bengals history that I've ever seen. And I, I and from that moment on, I thought to myself, nope, this Bengals team won't let us down. We're going to win this game. Yeah, it's true. They just have such a will to win. They're just never out of it with, you know, having a guy like Joe Burrow, having all that talent on both sides of the ball, and then having a kicker where, you know, you, you give him, you get remotely in field goal range and he's going to lock it down for you. What were your thoughts when the game went into overtime? What, what was going on inside your head? When the game went into overtime, based off of how the Kansas City Chiefs performed, it almost seemed like that they got tight, that, that they clinched up under pressure. Mahomes was not playing like Mahomes magic like he did before, that he thought that this was going to be a back-and-forth affair game exactly like Buffalo was going to be until the Bengals really showed up and showed him different looks. So, when they were again, when they were driving down on the field, in the fourth quarter, with barely no time left remaining, and they were going to look to try to score a go-ahead touchdown to take the lead and win the game, and then the Bengals forced the field goal to send it in overtime, I still thought to myself, the Bengals are going to win. I did not care that the Chiefs got the first, that won the coin toss. I did not care about that because I just felt it in my heart and felt it in my bones right then and there is that the Chiefs lost the game. They settled for a field goal. They tried to do the knockout punch, and it backfired on them. So, yes, even when they got the ball back, the Bengals' defense is going to show them that you don't, you're not going to do what, we, what you did to the Buffalo Bills the week prior. In fact, we're going to make you earn your way down the field like you try to earn your way down the field on that final drive. And look what ended up happening. It, it was almost a pick six by Eli Apple when he dropped it, unfortunately. But then on the very next play, when Mahomes just tried to – Throw a prayer in the air to Tyreek Hill. That double shell coverage, bracket coverage of the two safeties, it, it was it was amazing. That was a great teamwork effort to get that interception by Von Bell with one hand, and it was it was all that needed to be said. I knew the Bengals were going to just make the play at that point in time. Yeah, I agree. Once we got that ball on the interception, I I, I was like, as long as we get to see the ball in overtime, we're going to win this game. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, you know, Justin, it, you've been very well documented as being very confident in the Bengals all year. You know, you were the one saying, we're going to go to the AFC Championship game. We're going to beat Kansas City. You know, we're going to beat Tennessee. So, you know, I, I just want to give you thanks for being one of the ones that always believed and no one can take that away from you. 
with that said, do you have any words for some of the people who didn't believe, like the national media? <laughs> I laugh because, you know, they, they keep doing, digging themselves in a hole because they just keep doubting the Bengals. And don't get me wrong, there are specs of members in the national media that, that loves the story that the Bengals are doing and really is really happy for the city of Cincinnati and the Bengals organization. But in terms of the main national media talking heads on those everyday TV shows that you see from Monday through Friday and even sometimes on the weekend, they just keep proving themselves wrong. We keep proving them wrong. They keep on trying to set the bar low for us and then they want to move the bar when we do something good again. Oh, well, you did this. Oh, you, you hurdled this. Okay, well, you can't do this. And then we do do this. Oh, well, you really can't do this. It's, just think about it. All season long, they kept doubting us all year long. It started week one against Minnesota at that home game. How's Burrow going to look coming off of his torn ACL injury? It's his first game back. I don't have the Bengals winning. We were underdogs at home. And guess what? We won. Then it went to week three against Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. No one thought we were going to really win that game early on. Uh, now that the Bengals went out to Pittsburgh and Hinesville and won that game, they really handled them with pure business. And then it was Baltimore. Hey, you can't beat Baltimore. Baltimore just beat the Chargers, you know, the week prior to us facing them in M&T Bank Stadium. They got Lamar Jackson. He's playing like at an MVP level. There's no way you're going to beat Baltimore on the road. And then we do that and destroy Baltimore. Burrow has one of his better games. And then it's just more hurdles that they want to try to keep aligning us. And to the point, it's like that Baltimore game was the one for me that said, do we got your attention now? And I do remember vividly the Bengals uh, social media team tweeted that out. Do we have your attention now after that schlacking in Baltimore? And then it's just been more proving the doubters wrong and proving the media people wrong. And to the point now, we're here in the Super Bowl. We never fit their original agenda for why the Bengals are doing what they're doing right now. They expected us to be the same old Bengals. They wanted us to fall into the same old storyline that they've always had all along about us, about Mike Brown's being cheap. Uh, we don't have an indoor practice facility. And one person even said they don't. Cincinnati doesn't even have an airport. Their airport is in Kentucky. That is a true fact, by the way. But it's a part of the greater Cincinnati airport. So I just <laughs> want to throw that out there. But... Overall, all these stones that they want to kind of keep throwing at us, it doesn't phase us as fans anymore. It doesn't phase the football team anymore. We have a quarterback that understood how the viewpoint of the Bengals organization was looked, being from Ohio, realizing what the Bengals were and how the Bengals were mocked and listened to and looked at. They respected the Cleveland Browns more than they respected the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Cincinnati Bengals had more success in their organization history than the Cleveland Browns do. But that's just the reality of what their perception of what they want you to be when it comes to them. And the Bengals are literally destroying that narrative in front of their faces, and they can't stand it. They love what Joe Burrow's doing, but they just can't stand it that he's doing it in Cincinnati. And that's why I told people when it came to the national media stop worrying about these talking heads if you're going to watch talking heads and stuff you want to get your football knowledge just be smart about what you're listening to not saying avoid the hate or avoid the term because you never know where the hate's going to come from you know i'll take it for what it is but just listen deeply to the words of what they're saying some people now are just really really praising and high praise of joe burrow but they're not being in true high praise of the Bengals organization for helping Burrow get to this spot right now. 
How's the city of Cincinnati been the last few days? The city of Cincinnati's been electric. Ever since we won the AFC Championship game, we headed to the Super Bowl. The city is full of orange glow, and I love it. The people are in bright spirits. You walk into the gas station, and then people are just happy to see you and just saying, hey, Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. You know, you you see somebody with Bengals gear on from across the way, and you have Bengals gear on, you point at them, you nod, and you say, who they? And they say, who they? Acknowledgement, you're going about your way, you just got a smile on your face. They probably have a smile on their face, too. And you just know that this Bengals team and this organization is changed forever. And they, and they changed the, they changed the confidence and the mind, mindsets of the fan base, too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's a great time to be a Cincinnati Bengals fan. How do people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram once again, uh, Juddy13, J-U-T-T-Y-1-3. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a preview of the Super Bowl featuring the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. And Sands is also going to stop by with his analysis of the Rams and of the game in general. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.